The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, it's Tony Messia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger and subscribe to our newsletters by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Just a quick housekeeping note. The Charlotte Ledger is the media sponsor of the South Charlotte Partners Regional Transportation Summit on September 11th, 2023. It's going to bring together local, state, and federal policymakers to discuss transportation and mobility issues in the Charlotte region. It's going to be at the Ballantyne Hotel, and it will feature an all-star lineup of speakers, including North Carolina Secretary of Transportation Eric Boyette, Charlotte Mayor Vi Lyles, NCDOT board member Tony Lathrop, NCDOT's Division 10 engineer Brett Knipe, Tracy Montross from American Airlines, Jason Lawrence from CATS. You get the idea. This is a pretty powerful group of people who know what's going on as it relates to transit and transportation in the Charlotte region. It's a star-studded event. If you care about that topic or you work in that field, you should really check it out. You can find out the details in the show notes of this podcast, but I'll tell you a little secret here. If you Google Charlotte Transportation Summit, it's going to show up in the first several results. So you can find out more about the South Charlotte Partners Regional Transportation Summit. And two other all-star speakers who will be there on September 11th at the Valentine Hotel are today's guests, Stuart Hare and Ben Gable. Stuart is the Charlotte Airport's Director of Commercial and Community Engagement. He leads a staff that plans, manages, and oversees commercial development, community engagement, real estate, and airplane noise, making sure the airport is a good neighbor. And Ben Gable, is the Charlotte office leader for architectural firm Gresham Smith. At the company, he's been the deputy project manager for the International Terminal at Atlanta's airport and the project executive for the modernization of the Fort Lauderdale airport. He's played a major role in the design of the Charlotte airport's terminal lobby expansion, which if you've been to the airport in the last couple of years, you will have seen and been familiar with, as well as other projects in Charlotte. And today we're gonna to talk about the airport and its future. There's a lot going on at the airport. We're going to try to unpack all of that in the course of the next 25 or 30 minutes. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Well, I wanted to start off. I saw airport CEO Haley Gentry on Carolina Business Review last month, and she said that some, sometimes people come up to her and say, well, what happens at the airport when there's no more construction? And she said, well, we have a problem when there's no more construction because the construction is not going to end as long as this region continues to thrive. So I guess my question for both of you is, should we be resigned as airport customers to unending airport construction for the rest of our lifetimes? <laughs> I think that's a great question, Tony, and I frequently get that as well. And my general response is, as long as the community is growing and developing, our business model at the airport will respond to that growth and development. We don't build for the future in the sense that we're thinking of, gosh, if we build it, they will come. We build for the future, it's come, and we need to meet that demand right now. So that's what our future stance is, is that as long as our community is growing and developing, we're always 5, 10, 15 years sometimes behind in meeting that demand. And that's what a lot of the construction projects are about right now. They're meeting demand that exists today. This terminal lobby expansion that Ben can speak eloquently about is all about meeting demand that exists today. It's not about meeting demand that we think will happen in 10 or 15 years. It's about meeting the 
needs of this local Charlotte population right now. And so as long as the local Charlotte population continues to grow and develop, we're going to always have projects to expand. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into some of these projects in a little more detail, but it does sound, so what you're saying is that you're building for what you know is there. You're not just building, hoping that, well, we're going to build some gates and hopefully some air, airline will come here and hopefully the passenger, number of passengers will increase and we'll build some more parking and maybe we'll need the, the space for that. You're saying you, you kind of see that in the near term as opposed to the, the really far term. Exactly. It's demand that exists today that we're building for. Gotcha. Yeah. And you know, and a, a lot of, sorry, go ahead. Tony, I was just going to jump in. You know, the one thing I've heard the airport talk a lot about is, you know, that philosophy they call right sizing the airport, mm -hmm. not trying to be too big or too small. And I think, you know, out of the whole aviation industry, CLT is one of the better airports about designing according to the right size. They're appropriately setting the facility up. And then, you know, almost one more thing to add to your, you know, the questions we get, are we going to constantly live in a state of construction? Yeah, a lot of a lot of the feedback that I is it's just so tough because it's the front door. You know, the terminal lobby expansion. So many people are just that very first and last experience that they go through the airports. Not a great one right now because it's, it's it's construction. There's just a lot of construction going on. But as that's built out, and you look at the master plan of the airport, a lot of the future phases they won't be so much customer facing. You know, if you look at some of the Concourse A expansion projects. Mm -hmm. A lot of the customers didn't know that construction was occurring as they flew through the airport. So if we can just get through this tough period, I think that the future con the future construction, future expansion won't be as painful for everyone. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're going to have some things that are customer facing and some that are that are not. I mean, you go through and try and redo concourses B and C again, that's going to be pretty customer facing. You do some things and I know there's some plans in the works in the in sort of the main terminal, you know, where by the rocking where the rocking chairs are. The, that's going to be customer facing, but you're also building a fourth parallel runway. Nobody would really even see that exactly. if you exactly. didn't know about it. So, you know, I also want to talk a little bit, ask you a little bit about, you know, the, make the point that, you know, a lot of people might not realize it, but, you know, the airport is a huge economic development asset for Charlotte. I mean, certainly a lot of people in the business community understand that, but, you know, it's been that way for decades and that because of the American hub, you know, the level of air service that we have in Charlotte is far above what other cities our size have. And, you know, when you hear the CEOs of companies talk about why they moved to Charlotte, they almost always mention the airport. You know, it's not the only factor, but it's it's the recurring sort of thing that they can get to, it, they can jump on a single plane, not have to transfer. They can go to Oklahoma City or Plano, mm -hmm. Texas or wherever, not have to transfer through Atlanta or Chicago or Dallas. That, and then they can make it essentially a day trip or quick overnight trip. It, same thing with the banks. You know, you think about Charlotte's growth over the years, you know, the, the reason, one of the reasons we became a banking hub is because of that, you know, was the air service. These, these bankers were able to, to go anywhere, you know, just with a quick drive out Wilkinson and fly somewhere. And Stuart, I know you hear that, that a lot from the business community. And I'm, I'm just wondering nowadays, given the prevalence of remote work and being able to do things over Zoom, we've seen a decline in business travel. Is it still the case that the airport's a big economic driver? It is very much still a uh, primary economic driver. Whenever we talk with economic developers, it's always one of the top three reasons why a company decides to relocate or expand in the Charlotte area. It may not be number one, um, especially with you know the change in the office dynamic. It generally is not number one any longer, but it is generally always one of those top three reasons 
why companies relocate or expand in Charlotte. And it's not just the passenger connection. That's a big part of it, but it's also the connections that their cargo is enabled on. And then the presence of the intermodal facility also allows another dynamic to go into their supply chain. So, you know, it's all about that supply chain resiliency when it comes to manufacturing. And so it's all of those factors together that really make the airport its overall campus, such a driver for the Charlotte and for the Carolinas as a whole. You know, we like to cite a study that the NCDOT does every couple of years. And the most recent one identified that the airport was created $32 billion in annual economic impact. That's about 5% of the gross state product of North Carolina. We're working on a study that'll look at that impact across both Carolinas, and we expect it to be an even higher share of the overall gross state products for North and South Carolina, because it is one of the primary reasons why businesses are in this area. Yeah, I mean, that's probably to say nothing of the direct economic impact from people who work at the airport, they work at American, or they, you know, they they work in you know, food service or the, or I mean, it's a small city, essentially, is what you're running out there. That's probably bigger than, I don't know, 80 or 90 percent of the municipalities in North Carolina, basically. Ben, you know, you've worked on a number of different airport projects. And, you know, obviously, I'm guessing when you travel, you you pay attention to a lot of these. And, and obviously, you're familiar with, you know, with the industry. What are some of the features of a modern airport? What trends are we going to see? What kind of things should we keep our eyes on? Sure, I think one of the things that you're going to really start to see and it's really already started. You're seeing it already. Is all of all of my clients are really trying to push for a sense of place. How does my airport become that first and last impression of the city or the region, municipality that they're serving? And there's no desire any longer to get that cookie cutter, clean metal building that all looks the same. That you picked it up at one airport and put it at another airport, you'd have no idea there. And CLT is doing the same thing. They have a lot of influences from the financial sector, and, and there's some design inspirations from that. The textile history, the farming and agriculture of North Carolina, there's all sorts of great different influences from Charlotte and then the Carolinas as a whole that are, are brought into the design. You're, you're really seeing that a lot, and I think it flows not only from you know, the stuff that I really enjoy the most, which is some of that design inspiration, but even some of the amenities, you know, passengers aren't super interested in going to, and this is no offense to those fast food chains, but they're not that crazy about going to a McDonald's. You know, they'd rather go to a Midwood smokehouse if they're in Charlotte. They want to get a little bit of that local flair and flavor while they're in a particular airport. So that's what we're really seeing the most of is that airports are really driving to create that sense of place and reflect the region that they serve. Yeah. I mean, you all have put in, you know, the airports put in, you know, you have the local breweries, right? I think you have a mm -hmm. Noda Brewing, you have, I think, North Carolina Wines, you have a lot of these sort of local, you have barbecue, you have a, sort of a lot of the, you know, things that are more unique to this area. You know, the, the other thing you always hear about at Charlotte is the rocking chairs. I'm guessing if you ask people, is that the one with the rocking chair? They would know that. Right. Does that, how's that how, how does that help with Charlotte's identity? Well, you know, that was a real brand that came about through a public art piece. We had a public art piece a number of years ago in the early 80s when the terminal opened up and we used uh, Southern front porches to kind of activate the terminal lobby, the terminal originally, and uh, walking chairs were a part of it. 
they were so popular that we just kind of adopted it as a brand. And it's really been extended across. And it's that Southern hospitality. It's that idea of you might have a tight connection, but if you don't, take a couple minutes, have a seat here in the atrium, watch the traffic go past. And it's a brand that we continue to reinvigorate as Ben talked about. You know, it's about creating something distinct and that there be something there. And that allows us to really create that place with the rocking chairs. You know, we always get questions about them. And I think that we will continue them as a brand for the foreseeable future. I think they're a great amenity and I think they're a, a neat way to differentiate Charlotte. It's interesting when you all talk about sort of making it a, a sense of place and, you know, drawing in all, all these elements, all these local elements. I was looking earlier today as I was preparing for this, looking back at some of the photos of Charlotte's Terminal when it first opened in 1982. And it, it was really remarkable. And I know it's not great podcasting to describe a photo necessarily, but, you know, you look at those photos from 1982 and all it really was was what are now you know, concourses B and C, mm -hmm. modest lobby, everything else was surface parking. And you had the tower there, of course. And I came across a quote from Charles Hicks of Odell Associates who designed the terminal. And he yeah. said at the time, it is the gateway to the city, but it doesn't have to be a Taj Mahal. And that sort of encapsulates, I think, a little bit of the difference, not that you're building a Taj Mahal, but that, you know, the, the mentality initially, I think when it opened was, look, we got we to gotta keep the cost low. You know, it's this is an airport. This is where you go to catch planes. You know, just, just like a library was a place where you go to check out books or a coffee shop. You get a cup of coffee. And now everyone has this sort of we want a sense of place. We want to do mm -hmm. sort of make it make it more of a, a destination, so to speak, than just a place where you catch planes. How difficult is it to modernize airports knowing that you can't just shut down the airport and redo it? How difficult of a process is that? It's not simple. I'm constantly reminded by the airport's chief development officer that this is an airport first and a construction site second. And you know, at times, myself and our construction partners, we forget that a little bit, but it is important to understand that we have to keep this facility operating. If you, know, if you look at the economic engine that we were talking about earlier, we have serious impact operations. We're talking about major financial impact to the airports, to their partners, their tenants. And that revenue is what drives the ability for a lot of these projects and expansions to take place. So if we create something in construction, it creates a big impact to the airport's operations. We're really just hurting ourselves, to be honest. So to, to be candid, airport operations and maintaining airport operations in a, a project, some of the terminal lobby expansions, really one of our number one priorities. And what about that question of cost? You know, it's always been, you know, Charles Airport, I think, has the lowest cost per in-plane passenger mm -hmm. in the country. Airlines certainly like that. That's a big draw for, for airlines. Is that something that's going to continue to be a focus? Very much so. It is something that Haley Gentry, our CEO, talks about regularly. And we really see it whenever we get into talking about money. And it is a, a big thing that we continue to emphasize within the organization. And, you know, we were recently cited and won an award from the Air Transport Regional Society as being the most efficient North America airport, over 30 million passengers. And it really comes down to that focus on productivity and efficiency having that low unit cost and really delivering on our financial results. So yeah, cost per employment is something that we very much keep in mind, not just in our development program, but also in our operational program. And that's where you will see, you know, part of the reality with being a 
terminal under construction is that our operations do get impacted, busing operations being the primary one that get very impacted by the changes in construction. We run a very lean bus operation, and it all goes into that efficiency model to have that local per employment. I mean, one of the things that strikes me about Charlotte, it's a very walkable airport. I mean, if you go to most other airports, you know, with as many flights as Charlotte has or or that are in that in that same league that, you know, they they have people movers, they have shuttles. But Charlotte's very walkable. Is there ever going to be a time where we're going to need a some kind of a tram or something like that to go in between the different concourses? Yeah, so we have plans to have plans at Charlotte. We have an ultra long-term vision. And when we look at the connection between, say, a concourse phase two expansion that'll be opening up next year, primarily leased out to Delta, and somebody going from that new expansion to the refurbished and revitalized AE concourses, which are the regional gates that American primarily has leased, that's about a three-mile walk between those coming through. And so, yeah, we have plans to have plans to maybe have a connection between the various arms of the terminal. In addition, when we look at expansion options and adding on to B and C concourse and maybe doing a a midfield concourse at some point, there would be probably additional infrastructure, a tram, moving sidewalks, who knows what technology would develop in the next 10 or 15 years, but we do have that type of long-term vision that we are always looking at that. And a lot of what we talk about is that we don't have to make that decision today, but the decision that we make today could prevent us from being able to make that decision in the future. And so being very intentional in decisions that we're making today so that we can do something in the future if the demand is there, the need is there for it. Thanks. I know, and you, you mentioned concourses B and C and the study on on efficiency. I, I know there was also a recent study that said that looked at the square footage per passengers and said, okay, sometimes it gets maybe a little more crowded in yeah. parts of the airport than others. I'm guessing if you were designing concourses B and C today, they wouldn't be designed the way they are now. I mean, you look at concourse A, and that's it feels much more spacious, high ceilings, and all that. Is there any prospect for? Improving concourses B and C and some of the congestion issues you have on those? Well, from an operational standpoint, they are as well used as they can be. And I know I travel in and out of the airport on personal and on business travel. And I it seems like I'm always at the end of B and C going all the way through the traffic. And so, you know, I definitely know what that experience is like. Realistically, without relocating gates, there's not a whole lot that we can do. And any time that we're talking about moving gates, we're talking about impacting operations. And so as Ben shared earlier, we really don't want to impact operations. And so the current thinking along B and C is to uh, make an expansion at the end of the B and C concourse to add on additional gates at the end of the, those two concourses so that additional planes can utilize them and that we can free up some of the moving walkway, some of the flow through B and C so that people are not standing in the hold room space right there at a gate and it spills over into the walkway. So we think an expansion at the end of B and C might free up some of that space, but realistically, until we, you know, have the capacity to move gates, there's not a whole lot that we can do. Two points to add to that. First one is 
In terms of the experience at BNC, CLT is not the only airport experience. This is really an industry-wide issue. And a lot of it's being driven by trends in the way the airlines on service their customers. And candidly, the pilot shortage. You know, we go through a lot of our business strategy and industry evaluations right now. One of the things we're talking about the most is the upcoming pilot shortage. So if we have fewer pilots, airlines are going to be interested in flying or flights with more people on them. The only way you do that is with larger aircraft. And if you look at the time that Concourse B and C were designed, candidly, smaller aircraft with fewer people per flight were going in and out of there. So B and C was designed very well to service the customers they were facing for, you know, at the 10, 20-year period, because that's how the industry was operating. Well, now the industry's shifting. And, you know, unfortunately, the concourses are a little narrower than uh, desired for the type of aircraft we're going in and out of them. But like Stuart mentioned, there are future plans to help relieve that. And that's kind of the second the second point I was going to tie to that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of how do you tackle some of these projects while you're trying to keep things operating. I keep getting slapped on the wrist for saying this because I don't have a better analogy, but it's like a game of musical chairs. And the mm-hmm. only way you can play musical chairs is you create an empty chair. So if we're able to do some of the expansions that Stuart's talking about and pick up some additional gates we can strategically relieve that pressure off of B and C. And then that frees us up and gives us the opportunity to do some improvement projects, or maybe we'd readjust the operations. It just gives us that flexibility to allow the airport to operate in a lot more efficient manner going forward in terms of the the congestions that we're seeing on those concourses. Got it. I'd like to run through some of the projects that are underway now and just sort of get you all to sort of handicap them, say how they're how they're coming along. Obviously, the big one, the terminal lobby expansion. Ben, how's that going? When are we going to see Queen Charlotte reappear? And what's that going to be like when it's done? So to answer the first part of that, it's it's coming along nicely. We are doing very well on our schedule overall and the overall project. There's a few elements where we're catching up. We've had some just like any other project, sometimes a few items get a little behind, some get a little ahead, but we're kind of leveling everything out. So very positive and very bullish on the success of that project. Before the holiday season comes up, you'll see a brand new security checkpoint open. We're slating to have that open late October, early November, and we'll have a big media day. And that same media day, if I'm not speaking out of turn, Stuart, is when we're going to unveil the queen. Is that yep. accurate? So, yep. so late October, be on the lookout, we will see Queen Charlotte unveiled. That's going to be exciting. And I know it's going to be exciting to have the whole, I mean, you look at the renderings, the video renderings that have been done of that project and, you know, it, it looks pretty amazing. Everyone who's seen the first phase open up, which was phase two of six of the project, it's been open for right at a year now. Basically, we're picking up phase three, which is a duplication of phase two. So it'd be a nice, big, wide open space and we'll have Queen Charlotte in the very center. And then some of the subsequent phases, some of that backup house construction work that not a lot of folks have seen going on is where we'll start to see additional security checkpoint lanes open up or additional airline ticket counters, offices, things of that nature. So uh, October and November is going to be a very busy month for that project. Yeah. So, so what's the thinking on when the terminal is going to be completely finished? The, the entire project is currently scheduled to be completely finished in 2025. Got yeah. it. Okay. Okay. But most of the public facing things you'll see will happen before that. Once we get most of the public facing work completed, there's a lot of offices and things behind the scenes that have to take place. So the big transformational things that everybody will notice will, will be sooner than that, but the total project's done in 2025. Got it. Okay. What about the A concourse expansion? It seems like 
every time you turn around, there's a new branch coming off of A. What's the what's the thinking there? What's happening? Well, A concourse phase two is on track. We heard earlier today from our development director, and it is on schedule for delivery. It's about 200,000 square feet, 10 gate operation. Seven of those gates will go to Delta. Three of them will be common use. So we will manage who goes on those gates. There won't be a designated airline that uses that single gate all day long. And so we could see new air service with those shared gates come forward with it. Two new bars and two new art concepts. So that's the thing I'm most excited about is having a new retail restaurant and a new art. But construction should be done next year, 2024. You know, obviously we want to hit the holiday, open up before the holiday season. And so you will often hear us talk big, big milestones in October, November for a lot of our projects, because we want to be open and using the new stuff for our busiest time period, which is mid-November through early January. Got it. Okay. Fourth parallel runway. You all broke ground on that earlier this year. That's going to allow, I think, you know, not as much waiting at the gates or taxiing, right, for these aircraft. And that's, this is a multi-year project. What else is that going to do for you? Fourth parallel, you nailed the big things with it. There's a host of other projects that are associated with it, including a new north end around taxiway and a south end around taxiway as well. And so those enabling projects will open up new paths for de-icing and allow planes that do land on the westernmost runway to go around this new fourth parallel runway and the center runway without having to stop and wait for active traffic. And so those enabling projects are actively under construction right now. The north end round taxiway project was the big reason why the airport overlook had to close. And, you know, we had the temporary overlook, but it's not the same. It's nice to have something, but the uh, new overlook should be opening up about uh, actually earlier than this uh, spring, summer of 2024. But the north end around and the south cross field projects will add in capacity over the next couple of years. And then the fourth parallel runway in 2027. Got it. And I have to echo the, the importance of having the new overlook. Sometimes it seems like I get more questions about when is the new overlook going to be done than I do in the terminal lobby expansion. Uh, so I can't imagine the pressure that Stuart and, and the rest of the SEAL team feeling about getting a new overlook. It's amazing to me how popular that is. Like you go out there and I don't know whether it's people on lunch breaks or what, but it's, there's always a bunch of people there and it's amazingly popular, you know, but it's a kind of fun a free thing to do, I guess, right? Those are the ones I wanted to ask about. What I'm sure I'm missing a lot, though. What else is going on? Can you quickly kind of tick through some other, are there other projects underway? I know, like you're saying, you have plans for plans for plans. Some are, I guess, off in the future and maybe uncertain, but what are some other things that are that are happening or that are going to be happening in the next few years? Yeah, so our slide that shows all of the plans that we have going on is just chopped full. And so I, I don't want to get into all the level of detail, but I will tell you that every square foot, every piece of the airport is being reanalyzed right now. We are really at a generational point that we are looking at how does this airport continue to grow and develop as our community just sees the extraordinary growth that we're seeing. The big one that people are going to notice a, a change with is the decommissioning of the cross field taxiway. 
Runway 523 was closed a couple of years ago through a notice to all air missions, and it's just been used as a taxiway. Well, we're going to formally decommission that runway over the next couple of years and convert that pavement into taxiway. So that's one that will be very visible to the traveling public. Most of the other projects are, are kind of behind the scenes type of things dual taxi lanes so that there's more travel lanes for aircraft around the end of the terminals. I mentioned the end around taxiway projects, a south ramp expansion. So there's an expansion of the surface that airplanes can stand on and be held at. And so it's about infrastructure. We're going to be demoing a lot of buildings. We have a project to take down the old air traffic control tower and then take down multiple buildings on the south side of the airfield as well. So multiple demolition projects as well. Okay. I know, like I say, I mean, there are a lot of other things off there in the distance. One of the ones that you all announced a few years ago, it's, it sounds like it's still a number of years away, is this idea of a destination district at the front of the airport, I guess off of Wilkinson there toward the, toward I-85. What's the status of that? What's what are what's the outlook? That's a great question. And that is definitely with right within my team's wheelhouse. And we anticipate within the next six months. So we're figuring out whether we do it before the end of the year or we do it in early 2024, but we will be doing some public offerings of land for development. And we have some real firm ideas as to what type of development we want in that space, not office, not residential. I'll tell you that right away. So that that's real easy, but we have some real ideas of land that we're going to be offering for development right at Wilkinson and North Josh Birmingham Parkway, right at the front door of the airport. And we have about 40 acres on one side, about 20 acres on another side that we'll be seeking development partners with to develop that destination district. In addition, we have some industrial sites that are coming online. Right now, there's a new Best Buy warehouse that's opening up soon at Wilkinson and Tuckasegee Road. There's a Quick Trip gas station that is under development that they should start construction on any day now. We have some other leases that we're negotiating on right now for some other development. So destination district is happening. Like with any commercial development project, it does take a while to get going. You've got to do a lot of work and you want to get people excited about it. And so that's why you've known about it for a couple of years and are just now starting to see things rise out of it. What is what is the thinking, if I could ask you, what's the thinking yeah. on that about why develop that? It sounds like you're, you're thinking of commercial yeah. uses, some sort of retail or, or commercial or, or something like that. Is that yeah. what, what it would be? Yeah, commercial uses is exactly what we're, because there's a demand for it. Just like there's a demand today for more square footage in the terminal lobby or more gates for air, aircraft, there's a demand right now that's not being met by the private market for additional commercial development right at the front door of the airport. Now, part of that is very frankly, we own the land. And so we are wanting to seek additional non-aeronautical revenue opportunities. We are financially self-sufficient. And so just like we charge for parking, we are going to charge to develop our, our property. And so we had held off on some initial plans because of the timing of the light rail. When Silver Line was being planned, initially we thought that that would be a catalytic project that we would be talking about. Due to COVID and various other reasons, it's not going to happen within the foreseeable future to have light rail in the destination district. So we've had to kind of re go back in and redo some of those plans. And then I guess my final question would just be, you know, we're talking about the growth around the airport and you see the city growing 
all over the place. You know, Stuart, I think I last saw you in person at the groundbreaking of the River District, which is nearby. Obviously, as we speak now, there's a lot of excitement about the, you know, the the tennis tournament potentially coming. You know, you see growth along Wilkinson Boulevard, around I-45, the Whitewater Center. How do you, as, as the rest of the city sort of grows up around the airport, how do you keep the airport being a good neighbor so that you don't have people moving in there, say new apartments, new residents, and they're like, oh, this airport's loud. There are a lot of planes taking off. I mean, how do you, how do you manage that? That's a great question. And it, it's really about being open and honest, talking about the plans of plans that we have, talking about the long-term growth and development of the airport. You know, worst thing that can happen is you find out that your neighbor beside you is demoing their house and building up a, a McMansion next door to you. We try not to have any surprises like that. And so that's one of our big things is being very open and honest. And, you know, we spend a lot of time and energy out in the community, engaging in the community. Tomorrow night, I have my airport neighborhood committee. 2025 folks who live around the airport, we'll bring them in. We'll talk with them, hear what's going on in their lives and share some updates on the airport with them. So it's really about an intentional communications strategy and being open and honest with that. Great. Well, thanks. That's all the questions I have. Ben and Stuart, thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Appreciate the time. That'll wrap it up for today. Just a reminder, you can hear both Stuart and Ben and all-star panel of people who are very knowledgeable about transit, transportation, and mobility at the South Charlotte Partners Regional Transportation Summit, September 11th at the Ballantyne Hotel. And you can look for details in the show notes, or you can just Google it, South Charlotte Partners Regional Transportation Summit. Thanks for listening. The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com queencitypodcastnetwork.com.